Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you all with the latest evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, soon to be author of The Science of Nutrition out December the 30th, 2021, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, we are going to be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, so that together we can all learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with our trusted expert advice. It's undeniable that looking after yourself starts from within, and we now know that a healthy gut can transform your physical and mental well-being. This week's Food for Thought sees Retrition's very own registered dietitian, Catherine Rebess and I, uncover the surprising impact your gut has and how you can feed it what it needs to thrive. Hello, Kath. Hi, Ree. How are you doing? I am very well. We'll see Kath and I are already on Kath and Reterms rather than Catherine and Rhiannon, just for everybody listening. <laughs> Um, just to cut straight in there obviously Catherine is one of our nutrition dietitians and a dear friend and we're very lucky to have you on the podcast today so a big thank you because I know how busy you are at the moment it's crazy isn't it it's been really hectic and I really appreciate you having me on very excited for our chat wow let's go let's go straight in and get your expertise um out there so I think the first question to start would be the fact that I think a lot of people are now are very aware of these products on the shop shelves that have probably been there a very long time, but are just gaining traction. Things like kimchi, kombucha, um, sauerkraut, kefir, miso, you know, all these fermented foods and drinks. Um, but why are they all of a sudden, I guess, fashionable? I can say that word, fashionable. Yeah, for sure. Well, fermented foods have certainly increased in popularity. And I do think this is due to the potential benefits it does have with our gut health. Mm. So as more and more people are starting to learn about the importance of gut health, there has been a real shift I've noticed um, in people wanting to make positive changes to their diet to help improve it which is great of course um, and particularly as diet is one of the most effective ways to 
the boost our gut microbiome, mm. which of course I'll go into. Um, so fermented foods in particular, they do contain like millions of live microbes as a form of probiotic. Um, and they also produce byproducts, which the microbes need to support our gut health. There was actually a recent study by Hannah Wastick et al. And it was actually um, a, rec- a study, a random controlled trial. So one of the highest strengths of evidence showing that um, fermented foods, they gave a, a, a group of people a six servings of fermented foods a day and this actually increased the microbiome diversity in that group and decreased markers of inflammation in healthy Mm. adults which is huge yeah so it certainly shows how um, beneficial fermented foods are and I think that definitely plays that role in people now seeing you know having that rate that that sort of new rage of fermenting foods and how they can incorporate it more within the diet research certainly supports that yeah 100 percent. please send me that study by the way when we're off air, I, shall. I, I would love to have a good delve into that um i think the other thing to bear in mind as well is like when we're talking about gut microbiome you know we're not just talking about bacteria there's so many of the types of microbes that live in our gut as well such as fungi parasites the good and the bad um, Mm. and viruses and they function almost like a second brain it's like this beautiful ecosystem Um, and the health of the complexity of that ecosystem really relies on diversity so the more diverse our gut microbiome is by incorporating things like fermented foods we can actually improve that functional capability and that interaction with the human cells so it's amazing I I mean because when you say oh fungi or um bacteria I think everybody will be imagining something really gruesome and really um, (laughs) just not nice but actually it's incredible that we all the earth and us as human beings need these things to survive and perhaps now is a good time to go into the evidence surrounding something called the gut brain axes um I guess kind of what it is and why it's suddenly become not suddenly it's just been I guess discovered why it's important yeah um great question Ray and it there's so much emerging evidence around the gut brain axis and what we do know from the studies is that the gut brain axis is all these microbes that have a two-way communication between basically the enteric nervous system of the gastrointestinal tract so our gut and the central nervous system which is the brain via the vagus nerve and is referred to as the gut brain axis now this communication occurs via the parasympathetic nervous system um, which also is known as our rest and digest mode and this Mm. is the complete opposite response to our sympathetic nervous system which is that fight or flight mode which gets us ready Um, but the parasympathetic returns our body to this state of calm and rest whereas the sympathetic nervous system gets the body ready for that fight or flee which can increase the blood pressure breathing that slowing down of digestion and taking blood and oxygen away to other parts of the body so it's important that people know it is this sort of two-way communication almost like a highway of cars going back and forth between the gut and the Hmm. brain amazing it's constantly talking to each other yeah like you said there's a cause and an effect I suppose of of this influence and I mean what sort of things does it influence what pathway what what messages do we know are being sent from from our gut up to our brain I guess something we talk about a lot 
in the nutrition clinic is definitely the fact that it's not us telling us when we're hungry, it's our gut sending the signals up to our brain to then create a response. So how much sure. do we know? Well, what we do know so far is it can actually communicate via sending signals via the um, uh, chemical hormones that will work in our brain. So these are via neurotransmitters and they play a really key role in regulating the gut too. Um, and that could be via the serotonin, which as we know is like the happy hormone and 90% mm. of serotonin is actually produced by the gut microbes, which is insane. Um, low serotonin levels can be linked to things like food cravings, low mood and even depression. And a yeah. lot of those antidepressant medications work by uh, the chemicals within the serotonin. Yeah. Also things like dopamine, dopamine as well, which is like our motivation and our reward hormone. If there is this sort of imbalance within um, our, our gut and the gut microbes, this can actually lead to inhibiting the cells that make dopamine. And low levels of dopamine, as we know, has been linked with low motivation, mood swings and even low concentration levels. Um, so there is this huge uh, a link of inf how the gut can influence how we actually feel. But also these other communications that seem to happen are, you know, via the immune system as well, um, which I'm sure we'll go into in a bit of detail. But mm. also, you know, the different types of bacteria in our gut can significantly control risk of certain diseases such as obesity and diabetes, even have involvement with uh, communication of the brain in terms of that functioning of calming hormones and other hormones that have involvement with, with the regulating of appetite too. So it's huge, huge, huge. Yeah, piece. it's overwhelming, everything you just listed there. If only, <laughs> if only everybody knew, because obviously, you know, it's not going to change our food habits overnight, but I'm sure it would make a huge difference. So I think instead of demonizing food groups like carbohydrates, we should be thinking, well, eat some whole grain bread because, you know, you're giving your gut something wonderful. We, we can really twist the narrative on food, I think, if we fully understood and incorporated this way of thinking into our lifestyles because it is a lifestyle isn't it I've heard of things like yoga and uh, mindfulness being more influential I guess on our gut health than food would you say Yes, and there was actually a randomised control trial in 2017 by Schumann et al and that was a two groups those that had 12 weeks of yoga for twice a week and those that actually were on a low FODMAP diet with people that suffered with IBS and the results were incredible 80% of those mm. people on both sides of the group reported a significant improvement in their symptoms so there certainly is a link there between yoga and gut health and I think that link is very much involved with the physical movement sort of that stretching and that compression you know that relaxment, sometimes relaxing, but that movement that we we do can really send pulses along your intestine, actually. And that may help to relax and calm overstimulated muscles and nerves, which could hopefully help release a bit of trapped gas too. There's that mindfulness side of yoga, you know, giving us time to be in the present moment, embracing how we're feeling. Sometimes if we are having some gut problems uh, or symptoms that can be quite uncomfortable, actually focusing on mindfulness and breathing through it can really help manage that discomfort. 
And also, you know, the incredible breathing and relaxation that's involved with yoga can, as research has shown, help to rewire the gut-brain axis and activate that rest and digest calm nervous system of the parasympathetic. I love that. I I mean, the fact that just when you were saying that, I was going... (gasps) It's doing because you remember every time I do a podcast and I mention breathing, I'm like, oh yes, yes, must breathe, breathe now. Yes, must breathe <laughs> yeah, now. I'll go through too. my head. <laughs> should be an autopilot for all of us, but it's not. It's it's almost like going back to basics again, which we should be doing and reconnecting with our bodies. And I guess in terms of reconnecting, oh yes, you mentioned the immune system. This is probably a good time to get the immune system in there as well, because obviously when we're stressed, we know that can. Um, suppress or weaken our immune system or if we're over-exercising. So how, let's just start from the beginning. What is the link between gut health and the immune system? Yeah, for sure. So 70% of the body's entire immune system resides in the gut. Mm. So it needs to be that, if you think about it though, because throughout life we are exposed to so many new things and that's often Mm. via our gut. Uh, This could be food, you know, substances, whether good or bad, environment and germs. So it's so important that the body can tolerate many of those sort of harmless things we do come across. So to do this, the gut microbes from a really, really young age, like from zero years, actually educates and supports the immune system to know what's what. And to do that, it needs fibre. The gut microbes literally cannot survive without the fiber to do that function, as well as so many others that we have already spoken about. And the link there is between the fact that when fiber is digested, unfortunately, it can't be digested in the small intestine. So it does travel to the large intestine where it is fermented by bacteria. And this produces something called short chain fatty acids, also known as metabolites which actually helps regulate our immune system and they're also known as acetate propanate and butyrate, butyrate yeah mm-hmm. so these short chain fatty acids are like fuel for our gut and it actually supports our gut lining to keep it healthy and reduces that risk of the intestinal cell wall so our gut bacteria from becoming permeable and and basically opening which is also known as a common term we might see in the clinic as leaky gut now this yes sorry go on i know i know (laughs) so this causes bacteria and food molecules to pass into the bloodstream and cause an immune response literally inflammation which is a form of the attack so that's the real link there between the short chain fatty acids and the gut cells and how how beneficial they are for keeping that gut lining um, impermeable Mm, yeah uh, it's it's so interesting because I think there's also a lot of pseudoscience on the internet um, when it comes to things like leaky gut that you've mentioned and um all of it really with the immune system and mm. you know, claims there's a lot of claims that you can just boost your immune system by eating something and we know that that isn't correct but you've, you've touched on a real key point which is diversity and a lot of people listening to this podcast will probably have heard of um, a lot of talk about eat 30 different plant plants a week um, where does that come from and let's touch on diversity a bit and maybe um, I guess what you said at the beginning about depression Yeah, so evidence has shown that people who do have higher plant diversity up to this, what we're seeing now, you know, the 30 different types of plant-based foods a week have an overall 
better gut health when compared to those that had less than 10. And that was from a huge, huge um, trial that was done called the, the American Gut Project in 2018. But there's also been more recent trials by Professor um, Tim Spector and the twin study, which has shown that, you know, beneficial gut bacteria colonizes from different types of dietary fibers found in only in plants and products which have added fiber. So I think we should all try to aim for the 30 different plants a week. And this should include a complete variety, whether it be nuts, seeds, whole grains, herbs and spices, pulses, beans, you know, fruits and vegetables, all these different types and throughout the week switching it up too. Because if we're not doing that, we're literally starving our gut microbes and then they cannot do all these incredible functions that they're set out to do. Yeah, exactly. It's quite fascinating, isn't it? And I read a piece of research as well that said that, you know, just diversity and looking after your gut is enough to maybe not use medication? So there is, um, and I think you're linking that to probably the SMILES trial, Mm. uh, which was a really incredible trial done in 2017. And that compared two groups of uh, people that received, there was the intervention group that received dietary support from um, a dietitian and then their other group were a social group which had like a befriending sort of support Um, and it was astonishing the results actually they what it suggested was that improving your diet by adding following sort of like a Mediterranean style diet so whole grains fruits and veg nuts you know seeds legumes pulses um, fish and olive oil we can actually target the depression um, and it may be useful and an accessible strategy for actually addressing depression in the in the general population mm-hmm. 32% actually achieved remission of their clinical depression in the dietary group just from diet no medication just, well some did have a history of psychotherapy or they right. did have a bit of pharma yeah they did have a bit of pharmaceutical companies but I think it's not that clear in the actual study itself what they were receiving. No and it's still absolutely amazing I I mean when you think about it diet is so powerful in that sense and we're not saying it replaces medicine but the the research does say that wow there's a lot going on with that living um, ecosystem in our gut and fiber is a big part of it with diversity so what actually is fiber and I think people want to know what it does for us. Yeah, of course. And and something we will talk about a hundred million times probably, yeah. especially us gastro gut health dietitians. <laughs> so <laughs> fiber is a type of carbohydrate. And yes, that is correct. It, you need carbohydrates in your diet. Um it but it's naturally derived from plants. So it's it can also be added into products as well, but fiber cannot be digested by enzymes in the small intestine, unlike other carbohydrates. So it does, as I mentioned before, it does travel to the large intestines where certainly this magic happens in our gut microbiome. It's such an essential nutrient for our gut microbes. And as I said, they cannot thrive or even survive without it. But it also increases the bulk and softness of our poo and it increases the gut transit time. So it's really important to support digestion and, you know, that gut motility as things pass through the gut. It can also bind to other compounds, which can actually help regulate blood sugars and lower cholesterol. So, you know, we really need to be pushing how important it is to get fibre into our diet and 
SACIN, which is the Scientific Advisory Committee on Nutrition, actually recommends for everybody in the UK to be aiming for 30 grams of fibre a day, mm. as that has been shown to, you know, decrease the the risk of cardiovascular uh, diseases, strokes, type 2 diabetes, colorectal cancer, uh, particularly in those that were following the sort of higher fibre diet in comparison to those that had a low fibre diet. Yeah, amazing. And I guess, um, I guess when it comes to fibre as well, so we're not getting enough, but equally there perhaps are a few people out there thinking, well, my body struggles when I suddenly introduce fibre or, you know, perhaps I've got IBS um, and I find it flares, it flares up the um, symptoms that they experience. Yeah. Um, how do you go about this? Yeah, and that's a very valid question. Um, and so often I do, we do get people in the clinic who have been suffering with IBS for a long time and are following or even, you know, IBD and have been following these really low fiber diets due to that fear that they, it might be triggering for their symptoms. I think it's important to understand that there are different types of fibers and some that, you know, might be more soluble, some that might be slightly more insoluble. But without really knowing and, and, and going through your diet history to see, you know, if there is a pattern or if there is a specific food that's triggering the symptoms, it's still really important to incorporate the fibre. But just doing it gradually and maybe looking at having fibre from things like root vegetables, you know, milled flax seeds, having vegetables which have, you know, softer skin rather than more fibrous skin is a good place to start when it comes to those that suffer with IBS. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello. Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I think, um, just to reiterate, I guess, again, Let's just touch on perhaps the difference between IBS and an IBD because there, there's a big difference, isn't there, there? 
Yes, of course. So IBS is irritable bowel syndrome, which is a functional gut disorder, which can um, cause symptoms such as abdominal pain, cramping, bloating and that change of bowel habit, where inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, is an autoimmune condition, which can mm. affect the um, large intestine in um, ulcerative colitis, but in Crohn's disease can affect all of the actual gastrointestinal tract. Um, so these cause inflammation within the gut. This is a inflammation within the gut lining um, and has a, a combination of different sorts of symptoms. I think when it comes to the confusion here, perhaps it's not helped as well by in, uh, these test kits out there. Um, I'm trying to think how to phrase it because, um, you know, we see a lot of it in the retrition clinic and there's a lot of confusion and I think almost anger and disappointment from people when we say, but these are not valid methods and they're like, oh, well, I've been told I'm intolerant or I've got IBS or, you know, even worse, some test kits claim that people have serious autoimmune conditions when they don't. Where does this come from? That's a really good question um, and it's important as health professionals that we really clearly make our clients aware of the fact that most of these are sham. I hate to say it mm. but they are, they're invalid and they're unregulated tools um, and they can lead to lots of restrictions, cutting out whole food groups and you know disordered eating which is something we really want to be careful of really um i think the hard thing about these sort of tests they often have a lot of money behind them a lot of marketing um and this an antidotal sort of evidence to show to prove that how you know effective their their actual tests are but really they don't have the appropriate strong scientific evidence to to back them and as we do know it's only you know that uh, a hydrogen breath test that actually um, is the valid test for lactose intolerance the mm. only real testing we can do is via elimination and reintroduction of foods which needs to be done with you know a trained professional yeah. in that in that area it, I know and I think um it can probably sound appealing or oh, a hair sample or um, a saliva sample, perhaps a pinprick, but it really is, like Kath said, it's not an interesting way of doing it. It is trial and error and elimination and reintroduction of foods. It, it's why the um, the gut health clinic is such an important um, aspect of the retrition clinic because we see a lot of people that have been conned out of a lot of money, I think. And that in turn, let's just go back to the stress factor in our gut because that makes people more anxious and stressed as well. So what does what happens to the gut when we get anxious or we feel stressed? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the brain actually sends signals to our body to tell us we're actually stressed. And that switches mm. on that sympathetic nervous system that I mentioned before, that fight or flight mode. And unfortunately, that then slows down the parasympathetic nervous system so that rest and digest because oxygen needs to be taken away from the gut muscles to then travel to the other parts of the body that need to be ready for this action. So that can lead to indigestion, that slow gut transit time, which is the speed sorry, of which food passes through the gut, as well as slowing down gut motility. So those muscles that 
contract and stretch to pass through the gut if we're in a state of stress or anxious that oxygen's been pulled away from that muscle to do that job and that can really slow things down so often that can lead to things like constipation you know the water actually reabsorbs stay the poo stays in our gut it reabsorbs and can make it very dry and hard to pass because of what i mentioned it can also go the other way and stress can actually increase the speed at which things move through the gut and can yeah. lead to you know a bit of diarrhea and that explains why when we're feeling nervous or stressed you know we get butterflies we have this gut feeling it can actually trigger IBS symptoms or you know or general gut symptoms for people because we can't digest that food properly yeah I mean that it just makes so much sense so so much sense just um on topic in that area there what are your thoughts on items like Imodium and things that people buy when they have got the runs or they're experiencing diarrhea or travelers sickness something and they take these things to essentially I guess block them up <laughs> I think there's a there's definitely a time and a place for them and it does really depend on the condition I think if you if you have got a traveler's bug, it it is important to some extent to let it out because, mm. you know, we are, as I said, we, it could be, it could be a parasite. It could be the germ, which, and, you know, a, a, essentially a bad bacteria that the gut is trying to release that toxin. It's trying to naturally detoxify. So by taking something like Imodium or, you know, an anti-diarrheal medication, we are preventing that de natural detoxification process from happening. So we do have to be careful when it comes to things like that however if it is um you know you're having ongoing bouts of diarrhea and you know you're not sure why but you are taking the over-the-counter medication you could be masking something more sinister and it's really important that you actually seek out professional medical help from your gp um, or a doctor to to get that looked at really yeah it's just not worth leaving anything um unchecked is it I think when it comes to our health and something that you think oh it's so common but actually we shouldn't be experiencing things that affect our digestion that drastically frequently um let's go into exercise then in that case because some people say oh it really helps relax me but can you do too much and what are the benefits yeah great question and it does depend on the type of exercise you're doing yeah. and what level of intensity, unfortunately. <laughs> more research is needed as we like to say yep. but it has shown there has there has been a really great study that was done um with rugby players in fact and mm. what they found was that these rugby players had 40 additional different types of bacteria in their gut compared to those who were sedentary which is incredible now that's not to say that playing rugby is going to improve your gut microbes or their functionality, but there has been some positive research along the effects that, you know, even just five weeks of exercise increases the number of microbes. And, and these microbes have a really positive effect with producing butyrate, which I mentioned before is a short chain fatty acid. Um, and it is that fuel for those gut cells. But everybody is different and we can't be sure what types of exercise will do what. And there are likely to be other factors that are going to have an impact on the gut microbes, particularly in these studies as well. So um, it's important to just bear that in mind. But what it does tell us is how important movement is for a healthy gut, particularly when we're thinking about things like digestion as well.
Yeah, 100%. Well, we are moving on to questions from our listeners for you, Kath. And oh, the th first one there, I think I'm just picking out would be from Bex. So Bex has said, are, are the expensive probiotics worth it? Oh, good question, Bex. Um, no. <laughs> uh, in, in short, no. Uh, you can get probiotics from, you know, natural food sources. And as a dietitian, I'm always going to promote, you know, food um, over any sort of expensive probiotics or supplements, really. You know, things like live um, yogurt, natural yogurts, as we mentioned before, fermented foods, things like kombucha, kefir, miso, um, you know, you can get it in also in hard aged cheeses as well. So there are, a, there is a really great way of getting um, probiotics naturally from foods and, and you don't necessarily need to take a, um, a, a actual strong probiotic. However, there has been some quite a bit of research behind probiotics. And if you do have a particular condition or you suffered with something like antibiotic induced um, diarrhea or, you know, you potentially have IBS and suffer with functional gut symptoms, there has been some research to support the use of probiotics, but it really is important that you seek advice from a, a medical professional before before starting yeah, them. Yeah, really, really well answered. Thank you. Um, the, um, oh, we've just had one question we've already answered. Um, what food intolerance test kit do we recommend at Retrition, which we don't? Um, and then <laughs> Amelia <laughs> has said, why do I feel so bloated on my period? Uh, do you know, I will go on the, I feel awful around the time of my period as well, Amelia. I just feel like I know that the few days before that it's coming just because I can tell by how bloated I feel. Um, Kath, could you talk a bit about that and if there's anything we can do to reduce it? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm terrible for that as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's due to our hormones and it is due to what happens as part of our ovulation cycle. Um, and unfortunately, it's something we can't avoid as women. We have the hard, <laughs> we get the hard deal. Yeah. Um, but what, what is important is maybe thinking about sort of what types of foods you are eating when it's around your period or just beforehand, focusing on trying to make sure you're eating at regular intervals, try not to skip meals or have really large portions because that can also impact our um, our digestion and affect bloating too. Um, you know, trying to have things like oats and, and milled flax seeds or linseeds, these can really help with, with bloating too because of that soluble fibre can help to, you know, soften stools and help things move along. And chewing our food yeah. really, really well is another great point. So I wish I had the answer. Maybe Rhi, you might be able to, to address that one better. No, <laughs> I don't. I, I just try and embrace it, drink a lot of water. And I just tell myself, yeah, it'll, you know, it'll be gone in a few days. I don't really know. Yeah. Periods are just, women just have it hard is all I can say. Um, yeah. <laughs> Movement can help too, so though. Tough. Yes. A good, I always go for a walk or do some yoga if I can. Um, Samantha has said, I've got IBS. Should I try the FODMAP diet? Um, good question. There's two parts of this. So if your IBS has been diagnosed by a doctor or a gastroenterologist um, and they have potentially 
tried, you know, looked at other options and ruled out other um, potential red flags, then mm. yes, low FODMAP has been proven to to work with up to sort of 70 to 80% of IBS sufferers. And that could be an option for you. But really important that you are getting that professional help from a dietitian and at the nutrition clinic. And myself and the lovely Caitlin, we are trained at providing low FODMAP diets. But, you know, it's yeah. important that you are seeking that help from a, a dietitian who has experience with doing it because it is quite a challenging diet and you know often we do get people that have been on it for such a long time that then you know they haven't done the most important part which is the reintroduction so do get the support you need if that is something you're interested in doing but please make sure you've ruled out the red flags before going down that route. A hundred percent thank you Kath and we move on now to our fact or fiction round. Are you ready for this? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone ever say yes? Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially after sleep deprived shift or something at the NHS, you are so ready I know. for this. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Right, question one. Eating on the move is bad for digestion. Fact. Concentration can improve better gut health. Mm, bit of both there. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say fact. Okay. Prebiotics are essential and should be eaten daily in the diet. Fact. You should chew food at least 30 times before swallowing it. Fiction. You should try and aim to chew between 10 to 20 times. I think mm -hmm. 30 is quite extreme. Oh my goodness. I know. I've done that test in corporate talks for like 15 to 20 times. Even that is hard. I mean, 30? Gosh. <laughs> yeah. um, apple cider vinegar can cure digestive issues. Fiction. Kefir yogurt is healthier than Greek yogurt. Mm, fiction. <laughs> Um, snacking isn't a healthy habit to have. Fiction. Alcohol can help you to digest food better. Fiction. Bloating is all down to what we eat. Fiction. <laughs> the more diverse your diet is in plants, the more your gut thrives. Yeah, that was so precise, Kath. I'm so impressed. Was it? I'm really yeah, impressed you were, with that myself. Honestly, no hesitations, really. You were just on it. Thank you so, so much. Let's touch quickly while we're there on, um, I think, the fact that eating on the move. We, don't, we should have discussed that more because pre-pandemic, that's practically what everybody living in London used to do. Um, why is eating on the move not good for our digestion? Yeah, because what we need to remember is when we are on the move we're not focusing on eating you know it's mm. important that we're trying to be mindful with eating to support that digestion and that as I mentioned that rest and digest that parasympathetic nervous system if we're on the move we're often preoccupied we're often distracted we might even be a bit stressed trying to get to where we're trying to get to so stopping slowing down really taking time to to finish that meal and chewing that food slowly is is really key um for for digestion perfect and then the last one that i just wanted to ask about alcohol because i didn't really touch on it in this episode 
what is the link between alcohol and gut health um obviously not being so beneficial i'd assume yeah so alcohol is an irritant um and unfortunately what can happen is when it does travel to the gut it can overstimulate the gut um, and not in a good way which can sometimes leads to that sort of change in bowel habit often can lead to a lot of water being drawn in because it naturally dehydrates the cells and that water rushing into the gut can then cause quite loose and watery stools um, so it's important to, to try and limit how much we're actually drinking as well. But also it can affect the gut microbiome in general. And there's certainly a lot of emerging research that's coming out with the links between that. Amazing, Kath. That does nearly wrap up the episode, but we always finish with a food for thought. And I think today mine would be that you touched on at the very start, which was that the gut microbiome is, is so much more than just bacteria. It's a whole ecosystem. It's the fungi. It's everything living together and it needs to work in harmony and do its job. But I think sometimes uh, the lifestyle that particularly in the Western hemisphere that we lead isn't very supportive of a healthy gut and it's purely because this knowledge this education just doesn't get out there so I hope everyone listening can ask all of your friends your family members listen to this episode you know just share it because it's just not out there in an accessible way I don't think still um, it's very much in an echo chamber on social media nutrition and health to people that are interested in listening to it but somehow we need to get this information about fiber and eating our whole grains our fruits our veggies into mainstream media so um, I guess my food for thought was much more of a please let's try and spread the word but Kaf if you had a take home bit of information for everyone what would your food for thought be today? Yeah so as we said and spoke about gut health is really complex but also so so fascinating mm. but it's important to take a step back and we must all look at the bigger picture you know exercise stress levels sleep where we live how we were actually born can all influence our gut microbiome and have an impact on our gut health so we are part of our environment so we must focus on other factors as well as diet um, because these can play such a part, huge role and the secret yeah. really is switching your mindset from restricting certain foods to adding in more especially fiber gosh wonderful Kath thank you so much for all of your information today I know you are also very sleep deprived which we discussed before coming on and you've managed to do an, a whole podcast episode which has been incredibly helpful for everybody listening um where can our listeners find out more information about the wonderful work that you do yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me on Ree. so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at CAF which is C-A-F-F -F, dietitian um and come and connect with me we'd love to chat to you more exactly and to anybody that wants to booking with CAF at the Retrition Clinic uh, just email info at retrition.com or head to the website and you'll be able to get yeah expert advice not internet pseudoscience for your gut health CAF thank you so much for helping us all and coming on Food for Thought today thank you so much If you are enjoying Food for Thought, you are going to absolutely love our up and coming episodes. So if you don't already, make sure you're subscribed. That way you will be the first to hear it every Monday. 
It would also be brilliant if you have the time to leave a review. These reviews are so crucial to make sure that we can reach more people and of course reach those higher highs in the charts. For more information about My Retrition Clinic, the books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit retrition.com. You can follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, don't forget The Science of Nutrition, my latest book, will be out December the 30th, 2021. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 